0: The Not Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Yo, Cody. Yo, Jared. Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. Wednesday, October 28th, Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 6.30 p.m. You gonna be there?
1: <laughs> Probably not.
0: Okay. You haven't seen the Evil Dead movies, so. No, I have you're not. not. a. You're not a deadite. I'm not a deadhead. <laughs> I think deadite might be the word to use. Um Anyway, that is, of course, the uh, Sam Raimi, uh, Bruce Campbell classic. First two films of the Evil Dead trilogy, the third one being Army of Darkness, which is not being shown. However, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. People people tend to think Evil Dead 2 is the best, and I'm kind of inclined to agree, but I really, really love Army of Darkness. Um, anyway, this is premiering uh, just before the new Stars series, Ash versus Evil Dead, which is, of course a uh, sequel series i guess starring bruce campbell uh you can head out to alamo draft house park north uh and see the first two films for just 15 bucks
1: that's a great price what
0: better what better place to watch evil dead than at alamo draft house really what other place
1: could is... you watch evil dead other than
0: the comfort of your own uh you know no one's going to screen evil dead you know th- that i have to say Of all the movies that I've ever been interested in, you know, that I would be tempted to buy copies of, the Evil Dead movies and Army of Darkness probably have the most different DVD releases ever. So there's like 10 different versions of the films floating around out there. I think I owned at one time like three different versions of uh, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 keep getting re-released. Typically, they were first they were released as like those real cheapo DVDs. You remember when like DVD started and people just started dumping movies into onto DVD with no special features or anything.
1: Oh, as a as a as a person who really loves special features, I hated that. But yeah, it used to be one of my pet peeves when you just get a bare
0: bones disc. I remember being uh, <laughs> being so upset when Dogma was released originally as just a bare bones disc. Uh, were you a fan of, of back then of Kevin Smith?
1: Uh, back when Dogma came out? Yeah. No, I probably got into Kevin Smith. Uh, it was like my freshman year of high school, so that would have been like 2003-ish.
0: Okay, yeah. See, Do- I, was, I was super into Kevin Smith at the time, and the first release of Dogma was just a super bare-bones DVD. And then I think about six months later, they released a big two-disc set. However, we're not talking about Dog. We're talking about Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Once again, Wednesday, October 28th, Alamo Drafthouse Park North, 6.30 p.m. Tickets are just 15 bucks. Get them online at Drafthouse.com. Let's go ahead and start the show. In a world filled with movie
1: podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce
0: a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! <Wait! laughs> oh, no. They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And
1: <laughs> Muppets is are puppets. Is gonna- <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but. It's uh, Feig. I think it's Feige. Is it really? No, I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man.
0: That's, that's a Hulkbuster. Buster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights fat Iron Man.
1: <laughs> this is the Cynic podcast.
0: Oh, Cody. We don't have we don't have Tico again. Where is he
1: at? Oh man, I don't know. He's you know what? Some people, when they get to be like a big shot, they they like don't let you know what, where they are, what they're doing, what they're thinking. And so here we are, like a couple of assholes, ready to record our <laughs> weekly podcast at the same time every week. And Hollywood Martinez is nowhere to be found.
0: I want to I want to apologize on behalf of all of us. First of all. For getting off the ball in scheduling.
1: Yeah, it's been kind of rough lately. Yeah.
0: And then uh, accidentally posting a, a incorrectly rendered edit the other day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our loyal listener, Alec, for pointing that out to us, or else we would have never known. Now, I want to I make it
0: clear that I did edit the podcast correctly, but somehow uh, I, I must have reverted the edit.
1: Yeah, yeah but it, I'm, uh, I'm assuming what happened is a cat walked on your keyboard or something and undid
0: it. <laughs> it's very, very possible. The cat hit Command Z <laughs> and uh, undid the undid the edit that uh, that I had made because it like we we ended the show and then a good like three minutes of us talking about what we were doing next. Good thing we didn't say anything
1: awful. Oh my god. I, you know, my, like when I saw that comment my heart sank because I was like <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, what did we say?"
0: <laughs> like we are done for.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um so yeah, we will uh, attempt to get back on schedule. Again, if you're listening to this uh you know, as it was just posted Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh, don't hold us to it, but uh, we're making an effort. Oh and
1: I'm a, I'm apologizing too. There's going to be some weird sound quality stuff. I don't know. Jared and I's computer are not talking well to each other, and the quality is going to drop a little bit. But I
0: can I can hear you great. I don't know what it is. Um, it's the the perils of using Skype. Yeah. Um, and someone's living up here in the big city, <laughs> in Austin, Texas. Why did you have Google Fiber then? Because it's only in, like, one fucking neighborhood. Everybody gets excited about it. I, well, I'm not going to – I can't – I look, it's, like, in South Austin, and I work in North Austin. Mm-hmm. And that's a nightmare of a drive. Hey, shut the fuck up, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There is uh, AT&T Gigapower somewhere. It's not here in my neighborhood yet, but uh, it is one of those things that, that – there is competition out there. It's just really slow in coming here. You,
1: you know what I have to say to that? What? Who gigs a damn?
0: Oh, good God. <laughs> hey, while we're at it, <laughs> welcome to episode 65 of the Sinist podcast.
1: I'm Sherry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Does that mean our, like, isn't that, well, I guess it's not officially it's re- a senior citizen, but it's,
0: it's retirement age. It's
1: retirement age. That's what it is. And I guess Kiko is taking that to (laughs) heart.
0: That's why we're getting all squirrely like when we post and it's fucked up when we do post and
1: like leaving in our shop talk. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh yeah.
0: But we do have a lot of stuff coming up this week. Uh you recorded a podcast uh this past week, right, with your
1: uh my old pal, pal.
0: Your pal Jerry Rocha.
1: Yeah, Jerry has a um a stand-up special that airs on Fuse uh, on Saturday night, this upcoming Saturday, uh, on the 17th. So uh, we got to talk a little bit about that. I always like, you know, I think you're a little bit in the same way, but I'm a real nerd when it comes to stand-up comedy, and so I ask a lot of, like, insight questions. I like learning about the writing process and formulating a set, and, you know, he's you'll hear more about it but i mean he got this he got this uh show through Gabriel Iglesias who's a good friend of his and yeah and hey, you're going to love a story that he tells about uh about um how Gabriel bribed him into not cursing uh on this <laughs> special uh, it's a really great story oh he doesn't curse at all no
0: oh wow i really wanted to be uh i was going to be on the show with you but uh i got busy at my real job
1: lame uh, i know
0: you recorded at, like, 1 p.m. on a Friday. That's like, the, you're that's like, look, man. You're like, look, man. It's Friday. What are you working for, jerk?
1: Yeah, I said that, like, exactly. Those were, I think those were my exact words.
0: Yeah, but I, I really wanted to be on the show because I, uh, I have an interest in stand-up comedy. Having actually done a few open mics here and there uh, and really stinking them up. <laughs> I need to do it here in Austin. I need to get back on the boat.
1: Because- yeah, but you need to get some, like, hipster material, like alt-comedy
0: yeah, just uh, like just talk about how much I hate my bicycle or some shit. Yeah,
1: shape. yeah, yeah. Just talk about, you know, my electric car. It goes like this. <laughs> when I was down at the co-op, <laughs>
0: I met this girl and she wasn't even smelly. You ever noticed how baristas like don't care anymore? <laughs> um, I I did have a the last time I did any kind of open mic. I I think I told you this story. It was when I was in LA. And I I first tried to go in going on a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Uh and I didn't get picked. They only picked 25 people out of a hat. And uh so I went to uh, down the street to IO West, Improv Olympics West, it's another uh nice open mic place there in Hollywood. But uh the like the squ- the squarest thing happened to me ever. Like I was just the biggest dork. I think I may have told the story, but I my friend uh, my my best friend forever uh drove me my best BF I fucking said best friend forever, like a little girl. <laughs> my girl. Oh, I didn't my even friend, put that together. My, <laughs> God damn it. My friend <laughs> my friend Norm, I've known him forever. Um, you know, best friend growing up. Anyway, Definitely he lives cheers. out. Millett. Yeah, that's the one. Um you no, know, it's Norm McDonald.
1: Yeah, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all
0: right. I went to the a wiener dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was driving me around LA. He lives out there, him and his wife. Um, and, uh, I w- went into meltdown to see what time everything started. Cause I couldn't quite get a square answer online. Uh, and it was, it was April 20th, <laughs> Uh huh. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, meltdown, uh, the comic strip comic store is on the front on, um, sunset and then in the back is uh the actual showroom you know that you see on tv that they make look pretty big but it's really tiny the magic of tv you guys just one guy i don't know why just <laughs> you guys i'm psyched I keep thinking kiko's here uh anyway so i walk out the back into the alley where he's parked and this kid like must have been a teenager he's like hey man 420 and he hands like passes me a joint and I go, oh no, not today. <laughs> and, and he goes, like, and he's like, has a complete presence of mind to be like, what do you mean, not today? Like, what better day is today? And I'm like, oh, oh, I'll see you later. And I just like skitter off to my 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 friends' like <laughs> Honda Fit, and we drive away. I was like, God damn it, that was the like lamest thing ever. And I tried to write that into my act that I did later, and I don't, nobody really liked it. I think because they were all high, uh, but I was like, "Man, I've never been squarer than that, right then."
1: <laughs> not, not today.
0: <laughs> oh no, not today! Like,
1: like God damn it. Oh, uh, that's funny.
0: So, uh, so look for that joke in my act when I uh, decide to re. Uh,
1: when you have your stand-up special on, like, on, like pivot or whatever. <laughs> well, I I get
0: confused. Uh, fuse and fusion.
1: Oh, I don't know the difference.
0: Well, there's—I don't know what it is. There's two different ones. I was—I was watching Fusion or something yesterday because they were having, they were showing <laughs> documentaries on uh, like porn. I was oh. Like, oh, no, all right.
1: Man, I need to watch. I haven't had the chance to watch the Splat yet.
0: Oh, dude, I've been watching. Uh, I can't believe I missed in the original announcement. They didn't talk about some of the old dusty things they were. They were putting out there.
1: Yeah, they didn't mention a lot of stuff because I know that a lot of people were upset that Doug wasn't on there. And then I just looked, and there's Doug reruns, which was my personal favorite show from that era. From well, yeah, from the Nicktoons era. Well, well, I mean, they dusted off. You can't do that on television,
0: and that is from like the late '70s, early '80s. I watched that when I was like Nickelodeon on Nickelodeon when I was like four or five years old. Wow, and I mean, this is like. That's it's like the it's the origin of green the green slime. Oh, okay. Uh, there was a thing. It's like a, a goofy variety show for kids, uh, but or like I don't know, not variety show, but like sketch comedy. But they had recurring sketches. Uh,
1: man, when I was when I was a kid, that's all I wanted in life was just to get slimed. <laughs> like that's I would daydream about it.
0: You could probably do it on your own now.
1: I, I would have to find the recipe.
0: I'm sure, it's, I'm sure somebody has something that's approximated it online. People reconstitute things that are dead online all the time.
1: That's true. Like,
0: like Ecto Cooler. Oh, I You're saw pro- that. You're probably too young for that, but there's there's a recipe out there for that. I actually have a sealed box of Ecto Cooler. So. Of course you do. <laughs> it took me uh, – I had to uh, buy it on eBay. I, a, uh, I maybe should a, – a certain blogger that I like to read – uh, sold it on eBay.
1: Yeah. Oh, speaking of, uh, since I was playing coy last week, I can finally announce that I bought the the Scott Pilgrim Kevin Tong thing on eBay. Hey, you know what, fucker?
0: The podcast went up after the sale was over.
1: <laughs> did it, really? Yes. God damn
0: it! You bought the poster like on Monday. Yeah. Podcast didn't go up till fucking Wednesday.
1: So, if anyone out there, go look at Kevin Tong's Scott Pilgrim poster. It is gorgeous. I cannot wait to hang that up.
0: It's still sitting in my house right now, so.
1: Yeah, I I need you to, like, not steal it or not, like, ruin it.
0: It's in the fucking tube. Chill out. (laughs) You'll have it tomorrow when uh, I come down to San Antonio to co-host with you another screening of The Room with uh, Greg Sestero, who we'll also be recording a podcast with.
1: That's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, you'll hear that um, at some point after this show. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, whatever. We'll see how it works out how it shakes out. Uh, but that should be a lot of fun. Um,
1: all around good dude that Greg Sestero.
0: Yeah. He's been really, uh, really cool for, to us. Uh, um, answers our emails. I mean, I have friends that don't even do that.
1: Oh, we have podcast people who don't even do that. (laughs) Anyway. Um, yeah.
0: So, uh, you got your Scott Pilgrim poster. Yes. Uh, I think – did I edit – I don't know if I edited any of your – edited did, 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 <laughs> edited any of your little hissy fit about it out. I think I left it all in. Oh, really? And you were like, God, don't say the
1: username. Well, I don't know who's going to undercut me. <laughs> I got it for a pretty good price. Yeah.
0: That was a cool it was a cool guy. Some I can't remember his name, but he dropped it off to me and
1: – And then you played a prank on me. Yeah. A I like, is this guy?
0: is this guy ever going to show up?
1: <laughs> After the guy had emailed me and said, hey, just met with Jared.
0: (laughs) I knew that was going to happen, so that's why I did
1: that. He was like – because that's the first – that's my first – I I don't know why I'm telling this, but this was my (laughs) first experience with a pickup, like a a pickup off of eBay. Um, And that guy was super awesome as far as communication and stuff. I mean you did all the handiwork because the guy was in Austin, but uh, it seemed like it went pretty smooth.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean I think he like worked right down the street from me or something, so – um, yeah and he packed it super nice and
1: in a yazoo tube, those things you could run over that thing and it wouldn't bend i love i i you saw the
0: picture I posted it on my Facebook page and on Instagram of the fucking mailman sticking my <laughs> yeah. order in the mailbox and like rubber banding it shut. I was so pissed i
1: I could not believe that was a real thing,
0: yeah. And it happened again too with a smaller poster. I uh, might need to leave a note for my mail carrier, uh, just like, "Hey, please just put it on the porch."
1: Yeah, like a like a decent human.
0: Yeah, like come on. That's you know, barbaric. I did have a, a a bunch of posters smashed once. I may have told you this when I went to San Diego Comic Con in 2012. Um, I bought a bunch of shit and got a bunch of freebies. And I wanted uh I couldn't take it on the plane, obviously, because it was too much stuff. So I shipped it all back to my house. And I bought a big box and put a bunch of, like, toys and crap in there. You know, the kind of nerd shit that I like. And then uh, all the, like, free cool free posters they hand out. I bought a poster tube. Not a not a Yazoo or anything, just a, a normal shipping tube. And shipped at UPS, the UPS store. I think in Burbank or something. And... The box arrived fine. The poster tube arrived as if somebody had, like, snapped it over their knee. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? So, uh, I was like, it! So, you get insurance through UPS automatically. So, I uh, called UPS. I had to call the, the actual store, and they said something like, oh, yeah, well, uh, I said, you know, these are posters I got. Like, they're collectible things. And the owner of the store was like, you know what, just, uh. Just find uh, you know like some equivalent posters online, send me the links, and I'll write you the check. So I was like, well, all right. So I just sent like t- five eBay links that total up to 100 bucks, and they cut me a, an insurance check for the 100 bucks. Wow. So the, the shipping was totally free. And it was totally paid for. I mean, all the posters were smashed, but poster talk is, is what we're talking about today on the Sin, it's Not podcast. It's and never
1: it's, about movies.
0: Well, I just did. I did frame my uh, Ken Taylor Batman poster from MondoCon. And that thing is beautiful. Mm hmm. I know you're jealous.
1: Yeah, super, super jealous.
0: It's, uh, it has metallic ink, so it kind of smells like spray paint.
1: Are you huffing it?
0: I am, I've huffed it all out. I just put that tube up to my mouth and hot boxed myself. Stupid. Um, (laughs) shut the fuck up. Um, Anything else before we uh, move on to news? Do we have any other uh events coming up? Mm. Do you want to tease?
1: No, I'm not in a position to tease yet. Mm.
0: We'll see. One day you will be. One day <laughs> you
1: will be. And if you just want to tease, if you downloaded our podcast before we some got re edited it, uh we uh spilled the beans on a couple things, so
0: it's probably like someone probably mirrored it somewhere and like
1: it's gonna live on forever. Yeah. I'd be
0: astonished if someone did that. I wouldn't even be mad.
1: I'd be astonished if anyone cared enough. Yeah.
0: Like, well, they cut the guys. This is the uncut episode. It's mirrored on some, like, Russian hosting site, so no one can take it down. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and move on to news. It's time for the Real Rundown. Recapping
1: this week in movie news.
0: All right. First up, Takiyo Right? Is that how you say it?
1: Uh... I don't think it's Takia because it's T-A-I-K-A. Oh, ta- ta- Taika. Taika,
0: Taika Watiti. You may have seen him in uh, What We Do in the Shadows. He also directed that with uh, Jermaine Clement, the uh, vampire mockumentary. Uh, very was it? funny. Very, very funny. Uh, seek that out if you can. It's getting a sequel, right?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. Is it?
0: I thought I saw that, but maybe not. Interestingly, Any-
1: interestingly enough about that, um, they did, a, they did cl- a movie trailer clips um, at Geeks Who Drink, and one of them was What We Do in the Shadows, which is kind of obscure, but I, I was able to pull it out. So Yeah, good job. Thanks. He has been rumored
0: to be in the running for the director's chair of the third Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. Mm. Now, uh, this was something that uh, I don't think – was anybody named to direct this before –
1: no, there was word. There was there was word that Ruben Fleischer was uh, was kind of like in the co lead for it, but um, I guess that fell through. What has
0: Ruben Fleischer done since Thirty Minutes or Less?
1: Uh, he did Gangster Squad, right?
0: I think so, but nothing since then.
1: Um, nothing I know of.
0: Anyway, uh, it's kind of an interesting choice because uh, Taika Waititi is a uh, comedy guy. And Thor is anything but a comedy.
1: Yeah, if anything, it's it's the least funny of the Marvel movies, in my o- opinion,
0: and probably the uh, the least essential of the big three uh, big characters.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I have no problem saying that. I really don't like the Thor movies.
0: I liked the last one okay. That was the last one was directed by Alan Taylor, who uh, is a Game of Thrones vet. Also did Terminator Genesis. Um, I, I mean I, I personally am not clamoring for a Thor three, but I wonder if if, if hiring someone like Taika Watiti means
1: <laughs> You just like saying that name at this point.
0: Taika Watiti. Uh is that Maori, I guess, right? I don't know. What? Like a Maori name.
1: What is Maori? Like,
0: it's an ethnicity.
1: He's from New Zealand, so I know. Oh yes, it is. uh, His father is Maori, and his mother is Jewish.
0: Like, what's that? You're so racist, Cody. It's not. It's not a white guy or a Mexican guy. You don't. (laughs) You just don't understand. I don't. Uh, anyway, I wonder if I I always speculate about this when it comes to these Marvel movies because they usually hire placeholders, like anybody that could, you know, anyone could do it.
1: And interestingly enough, um, Taika Waititi. Um actually directed a short film uh, back in 2004 that was nominated for an Oscar. So, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it, but, I, I mean, that must mean he has chops. I mean. Well, What We Do in the
0: Shadows, I think, is a really, really well-made movie. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how you jump from that to the shark. I mean, to the shark.
1: <laughs> I <was> look- <laughs> <laughs> what? I was looking at his
0: credits, and Eagle versus Shark is on I,
1: And But you too. almost said jump the shark.
0: I know, right? That's weird. I don't know how you jump to a, a big Thor movie uh, from something like What We Do in the Shadows and you know, even Flight of the Concords, uh, which he directed a few episodes of, too.
1: You know, the thing about that, though, is that these, these Marvel guys, I, 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 I think that you're seeing now um, directors who are known for different genres kind of expanding. I mean, like, if you look at almost, like, the last four or five movies you see... Like, um, you see Shane Black doing Iron Man. You see the Russo brothers, who are known for TV comedies, do a Winter Soldier. James Gunn, who's known for, I guess, who knows what he was known for.
0: Sort of, uh, I guess, campy horror.
1: Yeah. Uh, Peyton Reed, known for comedy. Um, And then you got Scott Derrickson doing Doctor Strange, who's only ever done horror, I think. Uh, So... I don't know. I th- I think that they're ex- they're kind of expanding everything that they do. Um and again, look even look at John Francis Daly and John Goldstein getting the Spider-Man script. It's uh I don't know. I, I feel like maybe it feels like they can lighten the tone a little bit with a lot of these things cuz the Marvel movies in the cinematic universe are I mean, I think they're they're meant to be I mean, they're obviously meant to be entertaining to a lot of people, but I think that they they really want them to be funny. Um and, and enjoyable, a, a rompus,
0: if you will. Do you think they wanted to be funny? Is I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going for.
1: Well, I think Ant Man and Guardians were both meant to be funny,
0: and Ant Man didn't didn't accomplish that. No, they didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, a few things with Michael Pena, but for the most part, uh, not so much. I guess we can talk a little bit about Ant Man getting a sequel announced too this week. Yeah, uh, Ant Man and Wasp, which would be the uh, first. Uh, Marvel movie with a headlining female character which is one of those things as a, society, as a society that's I guess a big deal now which we probably shouldn't talk about political stuff but it seems a little little strange that that's the first one that they're doing
1: yeah i don't know how black widow hasn't had a movie yet
0: there there's that's such a weird deal to me i it seems almost like they're leaving money on the table I don't know. I mean, I, if you if you figure in the fact that some piece of garbage like Lucy made the kind of money it made with Scarlett Johansson in the lead, how could you not turn something out of Black Widow? You well, know? I
1: don't know how Joss Whedon hasn't stepped in and done something like that. I,
0: I don't know that Joss Whedon is, gives a shit about the Marvel stuff anymore. No, I, I think, think it's it, probably tapped out. Because, I, I, I mean, Avengers... Age of Ultron kicked his ass, and I don't, I don't think he was able to, to wrangle it home with the kind of success that people were expecting. I wonder if that means that Avengers was a fluke more than anything. All right, let's move on to our next topic. The standalone Boba Fett movie, which was supposed to be directed by the uh, disgraced Josh Trank, uh, is rumored to be uh, looking at Michael B. Jordan to star as Boba Fett. What's what's the deal behind this rumor? You you sent it to me earlier today, but I don't I don't think I read the way all the way through it.
1: So basically, uh, there's a report that F. Gary Gray, who um, uh, of course directed Straight Outta Compton, and is also just signed on to direct S- Furious Eight. I saw that
0: man back from the the depths of nowhere comes F. Gary Gray.
1: Yeah. Um. See, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> uh, but um. But Jeff Snyder, who's a reporter from The Rap, dropped it on a podcast that he's hearing that uh, that uh, Michael B. Jordan may be playing uh, Boba Fett and the spinoff that is still happening. I mean, basically what happened was um, they pushed back the Boba Fett thing to do uh, Lord and Miller's Han Solo movie. Um, I'm still I'm still blown away by that one. By the uh, way. Yeah,
0: that one doesn't get enough enough talk, but that's such as such an amazing, weird thing. Anyway.
1: Yeah, so there's a there's there's some talk online that, that it's a little bit uh, strange because uh, I guess an actor named Tamara Morrison played Jango Fett. Who... Okay, yeah. Here's
0: the deal: for the Star Wars prequels, Boba Fett was Boba Fett was one of those characters that appeared very briefly in The Empire Strikes Back and in Return of the Jedi, and over the years gained a, a popularity. It happens sometimes with minor characters and things. Like sometimes you're just like, yeah, here's this guy because he looks badass. He doesn't really do anything in either of those films except die. Uh so because of his popularity, he was written into the prequel trilogy. Of course, uh beginning with Attack of the Clones. There's a bounty hunter named Django Fett, who is his who is Boba Fett's father. However, Django Fett is the model for all of the clones that are the clone troopers, you know, hence Attack of the Clones. And Boba Fett in the film is just a clone of himself that he's raising as his son. Uh, Jango Fett, who dresses like Boba Fett, except in different colors, uh, gets killed in the movie. And then you see young Boba Fett, who was played by an actor named Daniel Logan, uh, looking at the, um, like the helmet, the Boba Fett helmet, and, you know, imp- implying in a heavy handed way that this is the guy that's going to be Boba Fett, as if you didn't already know that, which is one of the big problems of the prequels and the Hobbit movies, for that matter, is fucking connecting every single dot that existed, you know, between the first two, between the original films and the and the new films. Once again, a Maori actor, I believe, uh, Tamura Morrison played uh, Boba Fett. There's been a rumor for a while now that the Boba Fett standalone film would would put forward that the boba fett that you see in empire strikes back and return of the jedi was not the same one was not the guy tamura morrison played it was someone who came along and killed that guy and took up the mantle of boba fett which would be uh An idea that would make a lot of fans happy because they thought he was kind of a pussy, I guess. As if Boba Fett was just sort of a title that you earned along the way. Like whoever wore the armor was Boba Fett.
1: Like James Bond. Right. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I, just, I just wanted to input something. I know that that's not the same
0: that's a thing. rumor about James Bond too. That's like that's a way for people to connect all the movies together. Is that it's just a title that you earn?
1: So, by the way, has when was the last time that's been done? Because I knew that there was an idea that you could basically do that with Marvel movies at some point, like when you want to phase out, like you know when Robert Downey Jr. is you know 80 and he doesn't want to be doing Iron Man anymore. You just make you know you don't reboot it, but you just have another person not necessarily tony stark being iron man cuz he's in the suit i can't think of um i can't think of any time it was done successfully cuz they just they just mostly hard reboot everything
0: yeah uh i i think the last thing that comes to mind was uh the triple x movies oh, okay uh, cuz remember uh, that was what vin diesel left fast and furious to do was triple x and then I don't know. He didn't do the second one or whatever, but it was it was turned into a thing where it was a thing that was passed along. And Ice Cube was triple X. Yeah. So that's the last one I can think of. I I think now they would just reboot it. But I think anything Marvel wise won't do that because it's all so interconnected. I I don't know that this would be the same situation. This would be a thing where they're looking to correct the wrongs that the the prequels made because most people don't like the Star Wars prequels. And most people wish that a lot of stuff that happened in them could be kind of wiped away. And this would be one of the things. Um, I'm curious, though, because there's another rumor. And this is a big rumor. And this, this is one of those that may be a big spoiler. But I saw this rumor pop up a few months ago. Because, you know, uh, not everybody. There's a whole huge cast of people that have been cast in The Force Awakens. And we've only really seen kind of the tip of the iceberg of that. There's people like Andy Circus who you're not really – I mean his character has been named but you don't know what the deal is. And then there's uh, actors like Max von Sydow was cast in the film and no one knows who he's playing. But the rumor – the rumor is that he's playing the aged Boba Fett. Uh, the Asian the,
1: Boba Fett. Aged. I know. Shut up. Uh
0: okay. <laughs> No uh, – That because if you don't know this, and I know you don't, (laughs) Disney has made a deal, made a made an effort to uh, to kind of corral all of the if you may may be aware that there's hundreds of Star Wars novels that were written like after the books, after the movies. Um, If you ever go to a bookstore, you can see, you know, there's 60 Star Wars books that took place after Return of the Jedi. What they did was take all of those officially out of continuity and they started establishing their own continuity after the films that lead up to The Force Awakens and one of them one of the things one of the steps that they've taken is to heavily heavily hint at that Boba Fett isn't dead that he survived his death in Return of the Jedi which if you don't know he was thrown into the Sarlacc pit which was supposed to digest him over a thousand years yeah Dude, fuck you. Star Wars is like the biggest thing in the world. You're like, jerk, you don't even want you not get any pussy because, you know, Star Wars. That's exactly what you said to me once. And it hurt.
1: Uh, I don't recall saying that. At any rate, uh, they are
0: making a big effort to to show that Boba Fett is not dead. So that's why I there's the strong suspicion that he's going to be in. The Force Awakens, and there's not a character that uh, matches up with with Michael B. Jordan, uh, you know, being being black, I guess, is for lack of a better word. Unless again, unless again, it is of course that they make
1: this a uh, truly like a mantle that's passed on and on and on. Um, I know that that was because people when the when the thing came out uh, that John Boyega was playing a stormtrooper. I don't know why people freaked out as if that was a crazy thing, but then people started with a theory that maybe he was like sneaking in and, and trying to sneak somewhere as a stormtrooper and wasn't actually one. That was the running theory. Like people have to come up with these theories when something like that happens.
0: I, I don't even understand that. Like why like, I don't why? either.
1: Why can't he just be a black stormtrooper?
0: I <laughs> I'm curious though, he does have an American accent in the film. Oh, which does is he? Strange. Yeah.
1: What about Daisy Ridley?
0: Daisy Ridley is British in the movie, I believe. I don't know. I Wait, I don't know if that's confirmed or not. I don't know. I know John Boyega is because you can hear it, I think, in one of the toys. You can hear him talk. There's also some spoilery stuff that uh, Gwendolyn Christie's character says in one of the toys. I don't remember what it is, though. She's playing Captain Phasma, a stormtrooper, the one, the silver stormtrooper, if you've seen in the trailers or commercials at any rate that's uh that's where boba fett lies right now in the star wars universe he's uh thanks for the update yeah you don't care though because you haven't seen any of those still have you
1: i've seen um uh the first one and i've seen um empire strikes back
0: so you've seen a new hope yeah and you've seen the empire strikes back
1: correct and that's it yeah
0: all right so you're going to see the rest of them before the new one comes out, right? Yeah. Oh god.
1: I didn't like the first two. I don't I'm not really looking forward to another four of them.
0: Look, they're shorter than the Hobbit movies, okay?
1: Look, I just I just don't it's not I see again, I'm going to I'm going to go again with my Star Wars theory. I think that in order to like Star Wars, you need to have either a been alive when it was first out. Or B been very introduced or been introduced to it at a very young age, because that was neither for me, and I just cannot connect to it.
0: That's not true because I wasn't really introduced to it until I was about twelve years old. But
1: okay, but I think that's still young enough to be an impressionable to where, to where Star Wars is like the cool thing. I like I just think that if you're introduced to it as a kid, or you grew up with it, then it was the best thing ever, just this amazing thing. But for me, watching Star Wars for the first time as an adult. In 2015 or 14 or whenever it was, just whenever you became it. an adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, well, you're gonna, you're gonna, you like sucking J.J. J. Abrams' dick, so you're gonna love this
1: new one. Uh, I'm a fan of his films. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that, you know, naughty language came from, but no, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of J.J. Abrams, and I'm interested to see what he does, and I like Oscar Isaac, and not as much as Kiko, but
0: he's jerking it to him right now. <laughs>
1: I love Kiko can't defend himself, so he just talks shit.
0: <laughs> He's jerking it to Oscar Isaac while listening to that link you sent about Paul, T- Paul Thomas Anderson movies.
1: Oh, Made His Songs? Yeah. Yeah. I listened to about 30
0: seconds of that, and I got bored. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up and move on to reviews. What do you say?
1: Here are this week's reviews.
0: First up, we have Finder's Keepers.
1: I'd seen the grill and ended up buying it. And I open the grill up and there's a foot, you know, five toes and five toenails. I decided to keep it. The Smoker Grill is now a tourist attraction. I can't believe, I mean, who is this guy?
0: That's my leg.
1: He lost his leg three years ago, and that's just one hurdle life has thrown at him. I've been shot, run over by a state dump truck, electrocuted. I've been through a lot. An
0: unbelievable
1: character, isn't he?
0: A gentleman told me today I was a household name in Hollywood, California.
1: Everybody around here knows him as a Some folks just call me foot for short. It is a freak show, no question. It's a funny story,
0: but it's born of tragedy. Shannon Wisnot purchased a grill at an auction. Inside the grill was an amputated leg. What follows is a story centered on the enterprising Wisnot and John Wood, the man whose leg wound up in the grill due to an odd chain of events. All right, we both saw this. You insisted that I watch this.
1: Yeah, this came out on VOD last week in, um... And uh, I wanted to talk about it because I, I had been really looking forward to it, and I saw it, and I was like, "You guys have to watch this movie." Um, for me, it was it was kind of in the vein, and maybe not as good, but kind of on the same level of things like the King of Kong in American movie, where you get this like completely bizarre, weird uh, story with with these like really nuanced characters that are just insane. And you know this story is obviously super weird. Um, you know, I, and that's just the half of it. I mean, a guy gets into a, an accident, has his a, a leg amputated, um, decides he wants to keep the leg. They thought he thought he was just keeping the bones, but they gave him literally his entire leg. <laughs> he falls on some hard times and puts uh puts his hides his leg basically in a smoker in a garage or in a storage facility, and they auction the storage thing. A guy buys the smoker. And it happens to be the worst guy ever to buy that, because um, you get this guy who is kind of like obsessed with being famous, uh, and he just exploits the whole thing. And-, and I mean, like, like the craziest like
0: reality TV show character come to life. Yeah, you've ever seen.
1: Oh yeah, this guy's a piece of work. It's and it's amazing because he's like, God. I, I without being offensive, he is like the typical like southern redneck like just a stereotypical redneck uh and uh just like like he ought like he keeps keeps on saying perspired instead of transpired <laughs> just <like.
0: laughs> oh i mean like this is this takes place is it in north carolina and south carolina yeah i think so and i mean like just the biggest hicks in the <laughs> yeah. world and they say carolina and like that guy uh oh man i mean he must be like 40 years old but he talks like he's from the 20s like an old pro, like an old like m- guy that lives in a holler or some shit that was yeah. fighting revenuers for his moonshine <laughs> still like like i don't know how this guy exists in the real world
1: yeah uh, and and it's such a like the story starts off so funny because like it you can instantly get a a feel for like how like like southern and uh and hickey it is because you get that story about the leg being hidden in in a, in a freezer at Hardees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 story, yeah, cuz
0: he uh he, what is it? He gets the leg delivered to him from like a mortician, mm-hmm. right? And like the guy just hands it to him and peels out, like leaves is ac- according to his story. And then how did it end up at the Hardees? I don't remember. I think they needed the they tried to
1: keep it cool cuz they didn't want it to rot, right? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, then uh They put it in a freezer at the fucking (laughs) Hardee's. And then the manager saw it and. Was like, get this
1: severed leg away from the food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then he hung it in a basket in a tree to sun dry it for (laughs) the summertime. Like, holy fucking shit. It's such
1: a weird story. And, um, and like so many odd twists and turns happen. And like the, the, I don't want to spoil the. what the pinnacle of this thing is and how it ultimately gets resolved. But when you see it, you're like, oh, of course, like, of course this makes sense.
0: That was my favorite part of the film. Uh, That, because, look, it's very, like, it's very informed by, I guess, the reality TV culture. Yes. And the fact that it kind of culminates there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, in just, like, the most... And look, I, I I worked for years, years in TV where we air this sort of show. And it's it's your – I won't spoil it, but it's your typical – like if you're at home during the day and you're not watching The Price is Right on like normal TV, not cable, you're watching one of these type of shows. Uh, that's not spoiling too much, is it? You don't think? No, that's I don't think idea. so. So – and so that it gets resolved on a show like this. Uh, is is so fitting and it's like and it's not even like exploit exploit it uh, how am i supposed to say that exploitive. Explo- exploitive oh god i need a drink um it's like it's it's actually kind of sweet and well done you know like it's not like there's real concern behind it
1: yeah uh, there, yeah exactly and and i think that's it's it's handled really well and it's 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 almost as an told in, from an advocate point of view and you know there's there's a lot of stuff going on in it with the guy who lost his leg there's some addiction stuff and there's some really uh really disconnected family stuff that comes together really nicely and it's and it's almost like a bit of redemption um and then with shannon the the guy who who takes the leg there's there's this really like like almost sad undercurrent of just and like sad and and pathetic and, and is more like it of this guy who just like desperately wants to be famous and doesn't care how, and it's such like a childish wish, and and it culminates in this really like my favorite line and scene of the movie is when you know Shannon ends up somehow getting to film a reality TV show of like it's it's sort of like a Storage Wars type show. Um, what was
0: it called? It had a great fucking name. It was like uh like something haggle. Uh, oh, I'm looking
1: it right I'm looking it up right now.
0: I mean and it, it was like your the typical like because it, it wasn't, you know, uh storage wars or anything, but it was one of those like clone copies and it's shot just exactly how you see all those things shot. Like the style is exactly the same.
1: Yeah. Uh it's like I, Did you find it? I am looking. It he doesn't have a reality or uh, uh IMDB page. Um The Duke of Haggle? Oh, the Dukes
0: of Haggle. The Dukes of Haggle. Oh, fuck. That's a fucking great name for some fucking redneck. Yeah. Like
1: Haggle show,
0: like, like, Wheeling and dealing show.
1: Well, and they, and I'm I'm, I'm going to spoil this because I, whatever, but it's a documentary that has to do with a leg being stolen. So uh, <laughs> there's a, um, there's a scene where Shannon is filming the show and he, like, like, like there's a weird thing that clicks in him where he's like, "Oh shit, they're making fun of me." <laughs> and and I think and he didn't he like this whole time he doesn't realize it. And and they have him like reshoot a scene. And he and he has this line where he literally goes, I think, I think this is a line. He goes, "I thought reality TV was supposed to be real." And it's like this amazing moment of like, "Wow, this guy had no idea that oh. that that all the reality shows are scripted." And it's like this really sad poignant moment where where this guy's like dreams are crushed that that his celebrity is not only at his expense but it's it's a it's a facade. It's not real. It's a it's a TV show.
0: Well, so he 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 finds the leg right, and he wants he starts calling himself the leg man, right? Is it the leg man? I think it's the foot man. The foot man. That's it. The foot man, and uh, he tries to to parlay that into like selling T shirts and charging people to come look at the leg. And, like, you think this is fake. Like, you think this is, like, bullshit. Because it's, like, just these handwritten signs on a post. Like, come look at this leg. And then uh, when he gets to the, when he's shooting the reality show, I guess the deal is he's trying to, like, sell stuff. I guess that's the point of the show. You're supposed to haggle with people and sell stuff. And he has a Christmas story replica leg lamp. Because, get it? He's got the guy's foot. And uh, when he finally sells it to that guy, there's the scene where he's like, or the shot where he's he's like, thanks, brother. And he shakes the guy's hand and he goes, you want me to autograph that for you? And the guy instantly goes, nope.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, that moment.
0: <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's just got to be gutting to that guy. Because nobody, he's like, nope. Just instantly, nope. Like, not even like, oh, no, that's okay. Just fuck you.
1: no. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that 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 weird parallel story is is just great. I mean, it's, it, I, it's it's such an interesting character study because you you get into the mindset of this guy who is like being a, a a terrible person in a lot of ways just to try to get like his fifteen minutes of fame. That's all he wants, and like he talks about like like when he was a kid, all he ever wanted was to be famous. And it's like you see old clips of him on on uh either Maury or Jerry Springer or. Oh, it was,
0: it was, was, yeah, it was, uh, it was Jerry Springer and he was like, I guess he was hired as an actor. I don't know. What was it? Something was weird. like, I can't remember what the the story was about, but he like charges into the audience and yeah, uh, this guy is, is the like kind of, you know, child of reality television. You know, he's the guy that wants to be famous and that's it, you know? And he thought that this leg was going to be the, the the ticket to it, which is so – such a strange mindset. Yeah. Because who wants to see some fucking old leg? Like, I mean, like, it's an interesting story. And there was a lot of news coverage on it, by the way.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I mean, it's the typical, like, weird news story where, like, they have, like, debates and people calling in and writing in, saying what their opinion is. Like, who should get to keep the leg? Like, it's it turned into a sideshow. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: it's a, it's, don't get me wrong. It's a great story because it's so, so strange, but, uh, it's just so funny that this, it's such a, I mean, like the idea that this guy thought he could get famous by that. I mean, that's, that's the, the fascinating story about the leg, but then there's also the kind of the sad story of the guy who's belongs, the leg belongs to John Wood, you know, with the, the story of his addiction and everything that, that led to the, the events happening. And I guess the, the climax of the movie, how he finally well, I guess it's not spoiling it to say that he gets the help that he needs, because yeah. probably they wouldn't make the story. they wouldn't tell the story without that. but it's just such, a, such an interesting story. It's it really so, is, yeah. It, you, I had no idea what it was about going into it. I had kept myself kind of in the dark about it.
1: And it's, and it's really well made, too. I mean, one of the, one of the directors was, a, um, was an editor on "The King of Kong.
0: Yeah, Seth Gordon's a producer. Uh,
1: yeah. The the guy uh, the guy was a associate producer and a, an editor on The King of Kong. So, uh, it really is in the same vein as that. I mean, like I I don't think it's obviously not quite as good in my mind cuz The King of Kong is my favorite documentary ever, but it really like I truly mean that it is on the same level.
0: I mean, this is this is probably more accessible than something like The King of Kong. Yeah. Um you know, I, I my my parents, my family watches those kind of reality shows you know, just those, you know, whatever it airs on like A&E, you know, two in the afternoon on a Saturday and they run 10 episodes in a row. Uh, It's always a rip off of something else. And, you know, Mm -hmm. of course, this guy bought the storage locker at an an auction because all those people do it now because of storage wars. It shows like what a person that I guess would really have no hope of like celebrity otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is not somebody who's going to be an actor or a Musician or whatever. I mean, that, what did this guy even do for a job? Did it ever say what did Shannon do for a job?
1: Uh, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that they did.
0: I mean, you know, his his whole thing was about this leg, like that was gonna,
1: well, like it gets, something. It gets sad too because they show Shannon's personal life and and his his marriage is in terrible shape and and uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a sad look at it, it I, and I like and I like that it is. It's accessible and it's and it's uplifting in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it's it's unflinching too um and it's and it's raw and uh and like even like the john woods mom is is a really kind of an icy character that yeah that that you still get to see and 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 look i mean it's hilarious, we should also say the movie is hilarious mm-hmm. um especially when you see some of the talking heads with family members uh john woods i i guess it's his sister um in her family um <laughs> are extremely funny in it and give some great talking head interviews yeah i i really enjoyed the hell out of this movie
0: all right what's your grade
1: uh i'm giving it a b plus um, yeah
0: i i think i think that's where i'm at too i think this is a really really well made <laughs> look at something that's just So fucking weird.
1: Yeah. It's and if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into like weird slices of culture or weird stories, this is a perfect uh, a perfect intersection of that. Because it's 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 a story that is that that, like you said, it's so weird that you're like, How is this even true? And like it just keeps on taking weird different turns. And it's and it's you know, it's like King of Kong where you just run into people like Billy Mitchell where you're like, I cannot believe that I am watching a real person. Like, this is, this is a caricature. This isn't a real person. But yet, Shannon keeps on doing stuff where you're like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this person is real.
0: All right, let's move on uh, briefly to our next movie, The Walk. Hey, voila. My dream. And this is you. Yes. To be the most glorious high wire walk in history.
1: And how high must this wire be to make so much glory?
0: Over 100 stories high.
1: Where do trees like this grow? These are not trees. Two magnificent towers. 100 meters taller than the Eiffel Tower itself. I see. What do you think? (laughs) I don't know. It looks so... So... Beautiful. Beautiful, yes. And dangerous and <laughs> completely insane and you're a madman yes isn't? i'm mad with this uh, this is my dream then if it's your dream you must do it but even if everybody tells me i'm mad well you shouldn't care about what other people think okay but i care what you think
0: I love you, dream. Yes. Yes. In 1974, Highwire artist Philippe Petit recruits a team of people to help him realize his dream to walk the immense void between the World Trade Center towers. So I didn't see this uh, because I got too busy with work, but I normally love Robert Zemeckis. Well, I did like 20 years ago. Hmm. Uh, you got to see this, so uh, talk about it briefly, if you would.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, it's a movie that's being well received, um, in critical circles. Not so much by audiences, if you look at the box office numbers. Yeah. Uh, seventh place this week. Um, that was after opening for a week only in IMAX. Right, where it made very little money there, too. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand what people see, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, You've got you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing French face where basically he's doing, you know, a French accent and you know, French like a- face <laughs> is <laughs> that a thing? It's <laughs> just something I made up. Uh yeah. he's got like blue contacts and he's fine but it, it's the movie that's so stereotypically French in the beginning part where they're in Paris and you know I wrote in my review all it's missing is like a a bicycle with a baguette sticking out like everything else is <laughs> like literally there's a street performer who starts miming and it's it's like okay we get it there in France um but it, it it's it's such a the tone of this movie is so weird and i just don't understand it because it really is a really kind of goofy tone um what i wrote in my review was that it felt it felt like a rejected disney movie where where it's it's just it's really goofy and and like you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing high wire pratfalls and it's it just felt really like directed at kids and families like it felt very kiddie. I mean it's a PG movie um, and it's it's very family friendly and uh, there's there's just very little character stake in it and um, you know they set up. They're trying to set Petit as, uh, up as this person who's capable of walking across the World Trade Center. Uh, of course, I don't know if you mentioned it, but this all really happened um, back in the 70s. Um, and, then, of course, there was a documentary a few years ago. Yeah, Man on Wire, which won the Oscar for Best Documentary. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is a real thing that happened. Um, it was when the World Trade Centers were being constructed. They weren't actually open yet. Um but, uh, but you know, they they, establish, they don't establish Petit as a guy who's even capable of wire walking because he's always falling and making an ass out of himself. And, and, it's, and it's so weird that they set him up like this, but yet they don't build him up as, like, a truly talented person. Um, and that was the first real problem I had with it. The other problem was just, like I said, the tone. Uh, it's really goofy. Um, and, uh, and then at some point it switches to being serious when he's actually making the walk. And uh you know there's some really stereotypical characters in it there's there's like these two stoners in it one of them played by Ben Schwartz oddly enough uh <laughs> who's not actually a stoner but the other guy is um and uh and James Badge Dale is in it and and it's it's got like the 70s everyone looks it's got the 70s vibe <laughs> it's in got it got the 70s <laughs> yeah um but when it comes down to the actual walk uh there's some good use of 3D here um, you know, Robert Zemeckis has obviously been a, a champion of 3D for many, many years now. Um, and he actually did what I think, personally, is one of the best... And I, I don't know anyone who agrees with me on this, but I'm still going to stick to it. One of the best 3D uses of 3D in a movie that I've seen was in 2007 when Zemeckis did Beowulf. Um, I don't know if you saw that movie, but the use of 3D was really great in it. Um,
0: I did not see Beowulf. I was... I was totally disinterested in Zemeckis' motion capture phase.
1: Yeah. But he's been doing 3D like that in the Polar Express and stuff. And, uh, and there's actually some, you know, 3D is, is, is best, in my opinion, when it's used for depth. Not necessarily for things that are jumping out at you or whatever. But when, when you're adding depth to things, which so which is why 3D is so awesome a lot of times in in space movies. Um, because you get to see the vast distances and things like that. And so there is a little bit of that element of, okay, the depth here is really cool because you see a guy on top of the World Trade Center, you see the ground below, and you can really create um, you know a, a feeling of heights. Um, the problem is that the walk itself is really repetitive. Um you know, if you've seen about if you've seen the documentary and, and seen the trailers and, and know what Philippe Petit did, you know, he walked back and forth several times. He literally laid down on his back on the wire, um, which you see in the trailer. And uh, and that some of that's cool, but 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 it's just it's really repetitive. And um it it, it doesn't really there's no there's no enthrallment. Is that a word? Enthrallment? Uh, um, there's nothing enthralling about it. Uh and uh, and it just it kind of hits with a dud. And um, I don't think that anything in this movie is done particularly well. Um, I think there's some OK performances. Levitt is Gordon Levitt is fine. Um, definitely not his best performance. But, you know, for me, it was just kind of boring. And uh, and I never got into it at all. So uh, I was pretty disappointed.
0: I, I, I've i been been disappointed in Robert Zemeckis for the last. God, it must be 15 years. Because I hated, hated Flight. That was his last live action film, right? I believe Denzel Washington. Uh, yes. Yeah, I hated that. I was totally disinterested in all the motion capture stuff. I think the last movie I liked from him was Castaway, and that's been a generation ago. Um, he was always really adept at, and something I loved about him as a filmmaker, growing up, was integrating special effects into into telling normal stories. Like stuff like Castaway and Forrest Gump, especially. I mean, some of that stuff is pretty showy in Forrest Gump, but some of the other stuff is pretty pretty subtle. Like I think that was the first uh large scale use of like digital crowds, um, which is of course a pretty common thing now in Forrest Gump. But so how does how does this movie stack up? Like how does the recreation of the World Trade Center look is it convincing is it fakey is it
1: uh it's it's mixed it, it's mixed it's a mixed bag um some of it looks a lot some of the wire stuff him being up so high looks really fake um some of it looks pretty good i think that the aerial shots um like looking down look pretty good um mm-hmm. but him actually up there on the wire occasionally looks kind of crummy um but not i mean look i mean we're in 2015 everything looks pretty good we're, we're kind of splitting hairs when we're talking about that yeah. um You know, there's there's a weird storytelling device where he's narrating it, but he's, like, on top of maybe, like, this... I think it's the Statue of Liberty, but I'm not entirely sure. And that looks terrible. Um, Yeah. That's that's really poorly done. Um, And it's also a terrible storytelling device, but that's neither here nor (laughs) there. But, um, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Some of it looks silly. Some of it looks pretty decent. Okay.
0: Well, uh, so what's your grade for this?
1: I'm giving this a C. Uh, A C? Wow. Yeah, a C. Um, Just... I, I again i don't I don't understand what people are seeing. I didn't find it um enthralling at all. I didn't really find it interesting on any level um and I just it was it was the tone was too kiddy for me. um I couldn't take it seriously on any level. All right, uh that's going to do it for this week. What do we got next week? man, we have a ton of stuff next week We like, have
0: uh, okay, go ahead.
1: We have bridge of spies Ah, yes. Spielberg and Hanks again.
0: Really looking forward to that.
1: We have Crimson Peak. Okay. We have Goosebumps. Ooh. We have uh, Manson Family Vacation. Okay. And we have Beasts of No Nation.
0: I know you've really been looking forward to Beasts of No Nation. Yeah. Oh, that is, yeah.
1: You know what? I'm looking forward to it both because it looks great and because this could be a huge moment in – in modern cinema, not I don't sound like such a douche, but <laughs> I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it, to be fair, whenever you talk about stuff like that, you do sound like a giant douche. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's I mean, I really mean that, though, because if, if this is successful and it goes on to win or get nominated for awards, um, this is huge. I mean, this this means that Netflix becomes a viable alternative for uh, for releasing independent films that are that have uh, awards buzz and for the awards season. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how the, how it critically does, how it does in its small theatrical window. And then what kind of buzz it develops, because like I said, this could be, this could be huge. Ooh. And that's going to debut on Netflix on Friday, the 16th,
0: Friday, the 16th and in select theaters to be uh Oscar eligible.
1: Yes. It's having its Oscar on there. Yeah, we've got a we've got a really crazy packed show next week. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I've seen Manson Family Vacation.
0: I didn't get to see Crimson Peak at Fantastic Fest. I know that everybody that saw it is forbidden to talk about it.
1: Is it embargoed still?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I they're, mean they d they're
0: they're to say all they can say is that they saw it and it exists. I'm
1: sort of indifferent towards Del Toro.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I I his movies are forgettable to me like i like the concepts but
1: nothing seems to stick i know that the that the, the pre uh, the previews my 80 year old person i like the previews uh <laughs> the trailers for crimson peak look like beautiful but i don't know if they have any substance I, I mean i think the look that he's got is really cool but
0: the one thing i've heard is that people keep saying about this movie and i think it's something that they're allowed to say is that it is a gothic romance so take that as you will.
1: That's what I thought of... Um, oh, what was that movie that also had Mia... Um,
0: Wasikowsky?
1: Wasikowska in it. Uh, uh, oh, something that ended with an ER. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What was the name of that movie?
0: The one where she was naked all the time? Stro-
1: was it Stoker? I almost said Stroker. Oh, oh,
0: I never saw Stoker, but yeah.
1: Yeah, that was that was kind of like a gothic romance.
0: Yeah, and I think... I think that's a little telling because I think people are expecting horror from Crimson Peak.
1: Um, yeah, I think it, I mean, I mean, when you watch the trailers, it says from the master of terror, Guillermo del Toro, which I think is a little bit of a, a stretch. The master I, he, of terror.
0: Has he made a horror movie since Mimic?
1: Are we talking directed or produced?
0: Uh... Well, I guess, uh, yeah, because they always count produced, so he hasn't directed a horror movie since Mimic.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's, I'm trying to see what he's done here recently. Pacific Rim, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I don't think
0: that really counts as a horror movie, does it?
1: uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think so, but maybe. Because
0: it's got a monster in it?
1: Oh, he did Devil's Backbone. Okay. That was uh, that was after Mimic.
0: Anyway, um, yeah, I think that might be another one of those cases where it's just sort of a big shrug to me, just because I don't, I don't know. Uh, Del Toro is a filmmaker I want to like. I think i said I don't know if I said this on the show before, but I've talked to friends about this: is that he should have just made those fucking Hobbit movies and been able to write his own check to do whatever he wanted to for so long. But
1: when you think about it. He kinda gets to do whatever he wants to anyway. Yeah, but I mean
0: the whole there's a whole giant thing about him not being able to make Pacific Rim two. Like it keeps uh it keeps uh getting like you know, confirmed and delayed and and if he had just gone and made the Hobbit movies and made a billion dollars that those things were gonna make anyway, he could have written his own ticket for a few years at least.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I don't think that the, anyone was clamoring for a Pacific Rim t- uh, two.
0: I think we know some people that are clamoring for a Pacific Rim two.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean,
0: I know I do, and I, I'm pretty sure you do too.
1: Yeah, I think I know maybe a couple.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, is that gonna, that it? Right? It's a big, big packed week there.
1: Yeah, we're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna have to pack it all in. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> we can do it. Just hold your breath. <laughs> think of England. Um, If you want to reach us, you can uh, email us at at net. You can also call us at 920-FILM-210. That is 920-3456-210. You can tweet at us at Cinesnob. Find us on Facebook. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Mm, Anything else?
1: No, I keep... keep. (laughs) Uh, Keep looking at our Facebook page and our Twitter account I think we're going to be announcing our October screening pretty soon Um, So be sure to uh, To check that out I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can announce that within the next week or so Um, So buy tickets to that Come see us If you haven't been to one of our screenings We really have a good time there Um, And it's always a a good deal It's either going to be $5 or free all the time Yeah Uh, So You know don't don't be a don't be a douche. Come see yeah.
0: us. Yeah, yeah, fuckers. Come on. You ingrates. Okay. Yeah, sons of bitches.
1: We give you all this free gold. The least you could do is come visit us, Adam. I
0: think this was another bad show. What do you think?
1: I it was not as bad as the last bad show we did.
0: Yeah, but it was kind of kind of scatter too. I
1: actually liked. I think that um, the beginning of this show was really good. Yeah. Uh, when we were just kind of joshing around. Uh, about uh, stand-up and stuff.
0: I think it's funny that uh, when we talk about news that you have no, like, opinion on whatsoever. Well,
1: because it's always freaking Star Wars and stuff. <laughs> it's and like, hey, like... remember this thing that happened 30 years ago when you weren't alive?
0: Well, I wasn't alive when the first Star Wars was came out anyway.
1: Well, yeah, but it's always, like, it's all. it seems like we are, like, I feel like 90% of our news is just, like, nostalgia-based news. Yeah. <sighs> Your generation ruined this shit, Cody. Your goddamn
0: millennials. It's all nostalgia. That's why we have the fucking splat that we talked about at the beginning of the show.
1: Well, that's good. Sometimes,
0: it, sometimes it's a gift. Sometimes it's a curse. For every splat, we have a Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> oh,
1: I have something. What? What? Uh, for all you local, local lens, <laughs> uh, pick up a copy of the San Antonio Current on Wednesday.
0: Oh, what are you talking about in the current?
1: Uh, I do a little bit of writing about uh, my one of my favorite comedies on television, uh, a little show called Nathan for You on Comedy Central.
0: Oh, uh, you keep you keep trying to get me to watch that, and I keep saying I will, and man, I haven't.
1: You got to yeah. watch it. I watched the season three premiere. Oh man, it's so funny, so great. Look,
0: look, I went through a couple of uh, I went through the the guide today and record set a few episodes to record. So oh, there you go. I'll catch up on it. All right.
1: Yeah, you On got to that... uh, muster up the time now so you can catch up later.
0: Oh. <laughs> I almost let you get away with that.
1: <laughs> oh, you can edit right. that out. All
0: right. Um, All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viefanya. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.